Good morning, and welcome to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. Today is Saturday, July 23rd, 2022, and we are broadcasting live from Chicago. So welcome to the program. My name is David Canfield. I'll be your host for this hour. You can listen to past editions of the program uh, on our podcast, the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can find on iTunes, Spotify, and uh, on our website under the Media tab. So let's uh, maybe just begin by just uh, having a little prayer to commit this time to the Lord. Lord, we just look to you. Again, we hide under your prevailing blood. We hide in your name. We hide under your cross. We, we look to you that you would open to us this truth concerning the kingdom of the heavens and the millennium. Lord, we, we like to come to you to be with you in your word. Bind what the enemy would do. We cast him out by the authority of your name. We long to see your truth and your word going forth again in this city in such a prevailing way. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, to begin with uh, this hour, we have a couple of announcements uh, about uh, upcoming events. Uh, first of all, we are going to be having a Bible study at uh, our meeting hall, uh, where I meet, uh, here in Jefferson Park on the northwest side of Chicago, uh, starting on Monday night. It will be a weekly Bible study on Monday night at 7 o'clock. The address is 5518 West Gettysburg Street. It's just like the, like the battle. 5518 West Gettysburg Street. Again, that'll be at 7 o'clock on Monday night, and we will be getting into this matter of the kingdom of the heavens and try to, to uh, fill out a little bit more of what we've been sharing about that. And so we hope you can be with us. Uh, the um, website of, of the church uh, where we're going to be having the uh, Bible study is chicagomeeting.org. Now, we don't have information about the Bible study up there yet. That should be on there later today. But if you uh, go out there later today, you'll, you can get some details about it. And again, uh, just confirm the time. Uh, but that'll be on Monday night and uh, for the coming weeks. Uh, and we hope, uh, hope you can be with us for that time. And then secondly, uh, next weekend, we will have a booth together with the, the Church of the Chicagoans uh, at uh, Jeff Fest which is the annual festival they have here in Jefferson Park. We've had, the church has had a booth there for a number of years. And so we are going to have a space there this year with the church. Uh, so if you want to meet us, come out and uh, stop by the booth, and it would be, we'd be great to see you there too. Uh, that's Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, that's the 29th, 30th, and 31st, next weekend, in, here in Jefferson Park. Um, and again, we'll have information about that on the website Uh for the church and uh, my own website, thechristianfaith.org, should be up there later today. But uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to see you next weekend at Jeff Fest. So we've been talking in the past few programs about the kingdom of the heavens. And just to review a little bit, we've shared how the kingdom of the heavens is when the heavens rule over the earth. When you have God in heaven ruling over mankind on the earth. And in the Bible, there's seven basic dispensations. And we went through those. Uh, and we saw how the only two dispensations, the only two arrangements God has when the heavens are ruling over the earth is in this present dispensation, in a hidden way, in a mysterious way, among those of his believers who really are following Christ in this age. That's the mystery of the kingdom of the heavens. And then in the next age, the kingdom of the heavens will be manifested during the millennium. Those are the two ages when you have the king, the heavens ruling over the earth. 
according to the Bible, even eternity is not the kingdom of the heavens. A lot of Christians have a very profound misconception. We do not, we are not going to heaven. That's not God's goal for us. We were made of the earth and we were made for the earth to rule and to reign with God on the earth. That's in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. We were made of the earth. We were made for the earth. We weren't made for heaven. So in eternity, if you look at Revelation 21 and 22, God comes down from heaven to the earth and he dwells with man on the earth for eternity. And a lot of Bible teachers realize that, but they and they say, well, it'll be like heaven. And uh, uh, so, so we just use heaven as a manner of speaking. You know, again, I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. We always insist on one principle uh, on this program and our website. The Bible has to be a unique authority. And there is no ground in the whole New Testament for saying that we spend eternity in heaven. The New Testament is very clear. God wants to gain the earth as his dwelling place. And as Christians, we should realize that's really uh, what we're seeking to do today. We are seeking to establish the kingdom of the heavens on the earth today. I don't want to take a long time to, to get into that. That's a whole program. But um, it just you just shake your head when Christians have this because it does so much to blind Christians to what God is really doing. It's uh, like the angel we, we said before, the the angels had to rebuke the, the disciples after Jesus rose up into heaven. Uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I think it is, the, the angels admonished the, the disciples, why do you stand here gazing into heaven? Today, so many Christians are just doing that, just gazing into heaven, waiting to go to heaven. But God wants us to be those who are laboring with him, to stand with him for his kingdom on the earth. That's his goal. That's what he wants to accomplish. And we should have a clear view of that today. And today... That is realized when we live under the authority of Christ as our heavenly king so that we are citizens of the kingdom of the heavens on the earth today. And then when the Lord is manifested, we'll enter in to reign with him when the kingdom of the heavens is manifested on the earth. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, and it, we, we said there's a the Lord gave us a very concise definition of the kingdom of the heavens in Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10. When he ta taught us to pray, he said, pray in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. That's the kingdom of the heavens, when the, the will of God is done on earth as it is in heaven, in a very brief way, very concise way. So we want to, to continue uh, along this line, uh, but... I had some feeling as I was considering the program this week that we need to talk more specifically about the millennium, about the coming age, the 1,000-year reign of Christ on the earth, because I think many Christians just don't have a clear concept about that time and the significance of that time. Again, we want to stress, we don't. it's between this age and eternity, there is the age of the 1,000-year reign of Christ on the earth. The Bible uh, makes that very clear. And it's a very, very important time in terms of God's work on the earth to prepare the way for the new heavens and the new earth. And so we need to have a, a really clear concept of what that time is all about. Um, you know, as Christians, I want to stress, we really need, uh, we need knowledge. We need doctrines. We need truths. We need teachings to help us know how to live the Christian life. Because I know 
some people would diminish the importance of these things. Well, we only, we only care for uh, experience. We only care for life. Well, we, we surely care for experience and we really care for life. But the real experience of Christ is always based firmly on our apprehension of the truth. Uh, and and uh, on the website, one of our theme verses and, and for this program, one of the theme verses, Hosea 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So it doesn't say here God's people are destroyed because they're not enjoying his life, because they're not having experiences. It says they're God's people are being destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so much today that, that applies to Christians today who just have a very, very limited knowledge of the truth that's in the Bible, including prophetic truth. If we have a solid knowledge of prophetic truth, it is such a salvation and such a encouragement to look for the Lord's return, to live for the Lord's return, rather than to seek the blessings of this present age. In Matthew 24, uh, the Lord uh, is, is talking about the servant who was unfaithful. And uh, he says, he talks first of all about the faithful servant uh, who's going to be blessed, he says. But then in Matthew 24, 43, he says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would not have watched. He would have watched and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. He goes on. Um, uh, who is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing? That servant's going to be blessed. But verse 48. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and in an hour that he is not aware of and will cut his portion in, and will cut him in two and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Darby, I, I believe Darby makes this comment in the sister passage in Luke, uh, in his synopsis, he makes a comment about this similar passage. He said, because it says here that the servant said in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. And so Darby said, it was because the church set aside the present hope of the Lord's return that it fell into degradation. Based on this statement here, because the, master, the servant who became wicked said, my master is delaying his coming. So if we have a clear view of biblical prophecy, it will keep us from falling into uh, such a terrible situation. But if we lose sight of the Lord's coming, it's so easy to settle down on the earth and to live like this earth is um, uh, our home, is, is, is where we want to find our blessing. And that's just a terrible, terrible thing to have happen to Christians. Um, what we, uh, I want to read a, a few quotes from a man named G.H. Pember along these lines. Uh, and this is a brother, in the last couple of years, I've gotten a lot of help from his ministry just to... Uh, really, that, that's really when I've begun to make... Uh, even any kind of a study of prophecy myself uh, was by reading his books. He has a four-volume set on biblical prophecy. Uh, and uh, he says, uh, well, this morning, in fact, we sent out an email uh, from our, our website on uh, the believe all that the prophets have spoken. And we quoted, um, had a couple quotes from Pember in that email. And again, if you'd like to sign up for that email, you can go to the website, thechristianfaith.org, and click on the subscription tab. But here, in, at the be very beginning of his four-volume prophecy set, Pember opens it in this way. I should probably explain a little bit. Pember uh, lived in the 1800s. He passed away in 1910. His most famous book is Earth's Earliest Ages. I think some Christians might be familiar with that. That's where he set forth the gap theory uh, about the age of the Earth, which is, is quite, quite important. 
Uh, he was the first one to really develop that theory. So he's quite a student of biblical prophecy. And, uh, he lived in England, I should also add. So uh, this is how he opens his four-volume set. And this was in the email this morning. The Supreme God has deigned to give revelations whereby he seeks to communicate his purposes to men, to men, and thus by a gentle process to bend their minds to his mighty and irresistible will. Nevertheless, myriads of professing Christians are content to reach the end of life in total ignorance of these gracious disclosures, while accredited ministers of Christ are too frequently unable to expound them. That's just a terrible uh, situation. We, God has given us these wonderful disclosures uh, of, of, of his purpose and of his plan for how to end this age, and we just we don't adequately pay attention to them. Uh, so he goes on a little while later. He says, many Christians refuse to look beyond the first principles of Christ. Uh, that's a reference to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 will not study, meditate upon, and suffer the Holy Spirit to mold their minds by the revelations which God has provided for that purpose. They vainly strive to excuse their indolence and want of appetite for heavenly things by affirming that the simple gospel is enough for them. Because, of course, in, in Hebrews chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is saying, don't, uh, uh, don't lay again a foundation of the basic things. Uh, so he says, go on. We need to go on from there. And, uh, and, and really grow as believers in Christ. But Pember's saying so many Christians are just satisfied. They have these very basic truths. We shouldn't be that kind of a person. So, uh, but then on the positive side, Pember says that if we do begin to get into these prophecies, we'll begin to have a feeling that we're just understanding the secrets really of the universe and of, of our, really of our whole existence. And he makes this a, a wonderful statement. He says the divine virtue with which those secrets are instinct is gradually changing our nature and transforming our whole being. We'll have that sense. And he, I appreciate the way he uses the word instinct there. It's kind of an old, older way of speaking. He's saying that those, as we begin to see these secrets, the divine virtue with which those secrets are instinct will gradually change our nature and transform our whole being. Uh, so I had to look that word up, actually, instinct. It means to be filled with. So the divine, these divine secrets, these secrets of divine prophecy of how the Lord is working to end this age are filled with the divine virtue. And by getting into these prophecies, this virtue begins to change our nature and transform our whole being. Well, for sure there, he's referring to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Uh, so let's just read those verses. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and virtue. For by these, in other words, for by these he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption which is in the world by lust. So how do we become partakers of the divine nature? It's by these promises. That's what Pember's saying. There's a virtue in these promises, in these secrets, that changes our nature. So if we're not in these promises, if we don't know what these promises are, how can God work to change our nature? How can he work to change our being? So all of this, I just want to stress, is so that we'll appreciate our need to spend time in the Word, to study. It takes time and it takes effort and uh, you know, I'm very blessed to be able to have more time than, than most because I do serve the Lord. 
on a full-time basis. What a, what a privilege, what a blessing that is. And I understand most people don't have that kind of time. But still, we have to make some time to allow the Lord to show us these things so we'll have some basic foundation concerning the matter of biblical prophecy. And I am always always remember John 17, 17. The Lord says, Sanctify them, the believers, in the truth. Your word is truth. If we're not in the truth, it's very, very hard, especially when the world is so strong today uh, as it is and just constantly flooding us with every thing that's just common or unclean or even uh, evil things. If we're not in the truth, so hard for us today to be sanctified so we can be ready to meet the Lord, sanctified and transformed. You know, as I said, these past couple of years, I've been getting into the writings of G.H. Pember. Uh, But the brother who really taught me the Bible... uh, and really shaped my whole view of the Bible, was Witness Lee. Now, he was a co-worker of Watchman Nee, and uh, I, I was very blessed to be under his ministry for, for many years. He passed away in 1997. Uh, he was a real servant of the Lord, and I know some people don't appreciate his ministry. My feeling is that's their loss. I mean, uh, every servant of the Lord is going to be maligned, and they'll say evil things about him. He wasn't perfect, uh, and, and I want to stress, his work, his ministry is not our authority. Our authority has to be the scriptures. But uh, even until today, I'm so helped when I spend time in his books and in his writings. His view of the Bible is just remarkable. And uh, so I, I appreciate so much that I had the opportunity. To, I never met him. I never knew him. I met him briefly a few times. But uh, but I was under his ministry for many years in his conferences. It was always such a blessing. Praise the Lord for that. So he has some statements, and for those who maybe have some familiarity with Brother Lee's ministry, because he always stressed the matter of life. Uh, he did a great study of the Bible called the Life Studies. He always stressed we need to get into life. But um, uh, he also had another side to his ministry. I just have some quotes uh, from him that I really appreciate. I probably won't have time to read, read them all. I have a couple of them. But uh, these are from The Way to Carry Out the Vision, which is Elders Training, book number three. Uh, Brother Lee said, if, if you merely read the life studies, you will only receive a temporary nourishment that will only become a kind of inspiration to you. And inspiration is like a vapor in the air. When what we read becomes a truth in our being, this nourishment remains forever. What I have received, well, I'll skip down. Uh, you must have the truth. The only way for the truth to get into you is through your mentality. Then it remains in your memory. If you do not understand, the truth cannot get into you. Uh, that's uh, page 94 of that book. Then on page 144, he has another statement. He, he says, uh, we're just giving people a little inspiration uh, to help them grow in life a little bit. He says, by taking the way we've taken, we've lost the nature of the testimony of Jesus, which must be a constitution of the proper truth that produces a proper daily living. If the saints are not properly constituted with the truth, they cannot live a proper life. If they only live by inspiration and not by the constitution of the truth, I do not trust in that kind of living to be a testimony for the Lord. So even those uh, who appreciate brotherly and his stress on the matter of life, that's a quote for them. We, he, even he said, we have to have the truth in our mentality. It has to be constituted into our being to have a proper living, a proper testimony before the Lord. And so... All of that is just a stress. Yes, we need to take the time and, and the effort to have a, a basic understanding of the truth. And in particular right now, I want to stress the truth concerning biblical prophecy and the Lord's return. It's not an easy subject to get into, but uh, 
but we need to, to take the time and the effort to do it if we're going to really have a proper testimony before the Lord. Praise the Lord. So maybe uh, that's enough for this segment. And uh, in the next segment, we'll go on and talk a little bit more specifically about uh, the matter of the millennium. This program is produced along with our website, thechristianfaith.org, to help address the need for a healthy word of ministry among God's children today. In the Old Testament, the Lord tells us through the prophet Hosea, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Our prayer is that the Lord, by his mercy, may use the ChristianFaith.org website and the Christian Faith Radio Hour to help the believers in Christ grow in our knowledge both of our Savior and of our faith in him so that we may stand more firmly for the Lord and for his purpose in these dark times. Visit us online for articles on the Bible and the Christian life and to sign up for our e-letter, which deals with various biblical topics. To listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab, or directly on iTunes or Spotify. And if you have questions or comments about what you've heard on this program or on our website, or about the Christian faith in general, send us a note at questions at thechristianfaith.org. May this program and the christianfaith.org website be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord, and to all of God's children, for his sake and his glory. Amen. Hello again, and welcome back to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. So, uh, as I say, in this segment, we want to just introduce a little bit this topic of the millennium, so we begin to have a proper concept of what it's about. And, of course, the millennium is one of the seven basic dispensations that we see in the Bible. Uh, it's this, the last dispensation before the eternal age. And uh, if you, we can just go through these dispensations briefly. Uh, you have uh, the, the, the dispensation under uh, innocence before the fall. You have the dispensation of conscience before the flood. Then from the flood until the calling of Abraham is a dispensation of human government. Then you have the age of the patriarchs that uh, lasted until the giving of the law. Then you have the Old Testament. Then you have the New Testament. Then you have the millennium, finally the millennium. So these are the seven ages. And we need to appreciate in each of these seven ages, God has a particular way of how he wants man to rule on the earth and a particular arrangement for his relationship with man. That's the, the nature of these different arrangements. But they also have a particular purpose, and there's a particular reason why God uses these dispensations as he does. And Pember has a very good statement about them. He says, uh, These dispensations combine to prove that under no conceivable circumstances is man able to preserve or recover his integrity and to save himself from corruption, that his sole hope lies in a direct interposition of the eternal and so wondrous an infusion of the Holy Spirit that an entire change is wrought in his nature. So, in other words, in these seven dispensations, God wants man to understand in himself, apart from God, he has no hope of living an upright life or of recovering his integrity, as Pember says. So you can just go through these dispensations briefly and see 
uh, how that is. Well, of course, in, in the dispensation of innocence, we disobeyed God. The only thing we had to do in that dispensation was don't eat the tree of knowledge. Of course, in a positive sense, God wanted us to partake of the tree of life. Everything was perfect on the earth. There was just one thing, and we couldn't even handle that. We messed that up. So, that, of course, that was the initial fall. We fell away from God. That brought us to the age of conscience. And in the age of conscience, uh, in Genesis chapter 6, it just says, man just grew worse and worse. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. So God brought in the flood to wipe out uh, wipe out that uh, whole generation at that time. And we start with Noah. Uh, in Genesis chapter 9, verse 4, you have the, the, the beginning of the dispensation of human government. At that time, God gives man the responsibility for ruling over man, his fellow man. And that, again... Uh, developed until mankind as a whole rebelled against God at the Tower of Babel, just outright rebellion. So at that time, God gave up on judging mankind. He gave up with dealing with mankind as a whole in terms of trying to recover mankind back to himself. Instead, he called Abraham in Genesis 12 to follow him. That's the dispensation of the patriarchs. And that continued up until the giving of the law. God uh, was working at that time with the nation of Israel. Eventually in the wilderness, they're murmuring against God. They're pretty rebellious against God. So that was the end of that dispensation. Then you had the giving of the law in Moses, the Old Testament. Uh, and of course, in that dispensation, even the nation of Israel with God in their midst became full of idolatry and basically forsook the Lord. He, first, he sent them to uh, Babylon as kind of just like he had in the earlier, a, a limited judgment. He had, uh, with the nation of Israel, he had a limited judgment for 70 years. Then he brought them back and uh, continued with them until the time of Christ, they, uh, the coming of John the Baptist, the coming of Christ himself. They rejected Christ. They put him on the cross and murdered him with the help, of course, with the Roman uh, government, those two. That was the end of that dispensation. Again, man completely failed to uh, live out uh, the kind of life that God wanted. So that brings us to the present dispensation where you have this, the full manifestation of God's love on the cross, giving Christ to die on the cross for our sins, and then rising from the dead and offering us his spirit, redemption and forgiveness. And uh, I don't have it with me, but Pember has a wonderful quote about this, that uh, such a manifestation of God's love should have resulted in one grand, grand description of praise uh, to God and to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. Just a, a wonderful statement. Uh, but then he, I have this, this part of the quote. But he, he says, no, that didn't happen. Instead, people uh, other than the believers in Christ, most of the world just keeps getting worse and worse. As he says, the rest of the world will grow worse, worse and worse until the sixth age also ends in complete failure, proving that not even the revelation of the love of God in Christ Jesus can soften the rebellious heart of man. And of course, that what he's talking about there is we're going to have uh, this age is going to end in the rise of the Antichrist and the Great Tribulation and God's judgment on this present age. Uh, on a positive sense, it will end with the restoration of Israel to the good land. So that brings us to the millennium. But you can see in all these dispensations, God has something he's trying to work out to bring man back to himself. So at the end of this age, Christ will come and rule on the earth. He's going to establish his throne on the earth, Matthew uh, 25. Um, I'm not quite sure the verse. Uh, at that time, it's about verse 31 maybe, uh, he's going to establish his throne on the earth uh, with the and judge the Gentiles at that time. And then eventually we will, that's going to usher in the millennial age. Uh, 
But it's important to understand that the, even the millennial age is not an age of perfection. That won't happen until the new heavens and the new earth. Mankind still has his rebellious nature during the millennium, but Satan is cast into the lake of fire, sorry, is cast into the abyss during that 1,000 years. That's uh, Revelation chapter 20, verses uh, 1 to 3. So, uh, so now, man, uh, there is some restraint on the wickedness of man because he's not being deceived by Satan like so many people on the earth are today. But it's still, God still needs to deal with uh, the evil in mankind during that time. Now, some people, there are some people who, who teach that there's no such thing as a millennium, that it's, it's a figure of speech. And, and the key portion about the millennium is in Revelation chapter 20, uh, verses 4 to 6. This is after Satan is cast into the abyss. Uh, well, I'll just start from verse 20, verse 1. Uh, the angel comes down from heaven and uh, having a chain and, and the key to the, to the abyss, and he lays hold on the dragon and uh, the ancient serpent lays hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is a devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should not deceive the nations any more until the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Now, during that time, Satan then is, he's in the abyss. But man, man's nature has not yet been transformed. And so, in uh, Revelation in the promise to the church in Pergamos, rather to the church in Thyatira, it says, uh, he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like a potter's vessel. So those who are the overcomers, like the, who receive that promise, as is given to the, the, the overcomers in Thyatira, that's Revelation chapter 2, uh, verses 26 and 27. Uh, those believers will be reigning with Christ during the millennium over the nations. And sometimes they will have to exercise that rod of iron when some rebellion breaks out to dash the rebellious nations in pieces. Today's the age of grace. Today, God exercises his mercy because he realizes so many people on the earth are deceived by Satan. But at that time, you can't say, uh, I was deceived by Satan. At that point, it's simply the expression of your own rebellious nature. And so there's an instant, almost instantaneous judgment against the nations that rebel. And at the end of that time, Satan is loosed out of his prison. Uh, as it says in uh, uh, verse 3, he must be loosed, loosed for a little while. At the end of that time, uh, let's go back to Revelation 20. Um, when the thousand years, this is verse 7, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. So now that the nations are deceived one last time by Satan and God sends fire down from heaven, it judges, judges them, and then you have the final judgment at the great white throne. Then you have the new heavens and the new earth. Then there's no more rebellion. Then there's no more uh, uh, uh rising up against God in any way, then you have perfect harmony for eternity, praise the Lord. And all the evil ones are judged in the lake of fire. So some people would say that's the only reference, direct reference in the Bible to the millennium. And they say, so it's really, there's no such thing as a millennium, it's a, it's a symbol. Well, the verses there, for sure, they seem pretty clear to me. I, I don't see how you can really interpret that any other way. But there is another portion that does speak directly of the millennium. Uh, not explicitly, but it's, it's 
pretty direct. Uh, and that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So we just want to spend uh, the rest of this segment just going through these verses because it helps us to understand what's going on during the millennium. And uh, again, those verses, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse uh, 20. It says, Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So this portion is showing us how Christ is dealing with the matter of death. And during the, revel during the millennium, he's doing so much to deal with this last enemy. For since man, verse 21, for since man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are, who are Christ at his coming. Then 1 Corinthians 15, 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. So in verse 23, it talks about the coming of Christ. But then after that, there's something called the end. Then comes the end. It's at the end when he delivers the kingdom to his God and Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. And then verse 25 explains that. He says, it says, For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. So the millennium is the kingdom of Christ. For Ephesians uh, 5 verse 5, it talks about... Uh, uh, the kingdom of Christ and of God. It's during this period of the millennium when Christ is reigning. That's when he's reigning until he puts all his enemies under his feet. And that's what he's doing during that millennial age with the help of his overcoming believers. And then he says, then verse 1 Corinthians 15, 26, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Uh, verse 27 for he, puts all, he has put all things under his feet, but when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Uh, verse 28, Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will be also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So the last enemy that will be destroyed at the end of the millennium is death, when it's cast into the lake of fire. Again, we see that in Revelation 20. But during that time, this is speaking of Christ reigning on the earth during the millennium to deal with all the remaining negative things that are on the earth. And then at the end of that time, all the negative things are dealt with. And then he delivers up the kingdom to his God and Father, uh, that God may be all in all. So here you do have another very clear reference to the millennial age and to Christ's work in the millennial age. So that is such an important uh era in the history of the earth. It prepares the way for God to bring in the new heaven and the new earth because at that point, all the negative things have been dealt with. And as believers, we need to have a clear understanding of what the millennium is and uh, of the, the, the purpose of the millennium. And as we've stressed before, if we're faithful to Christ in this age, we'll be reigning with him during that time. We'll be helping him rule over the nations under his authority, of course, to deal with uh, the rebellious elements of mankind. We can't do that today. Today is a time of training. It's an apprenticeship, Pember says at one point. I really appreciate that. For us to learn how to reign with Christ. But if we learn the lessons, then we'll be able to reign with him. But if we don't learn those lessons, if we're not faithful to Christ in this age, we will not reign with him either when the millennium is openly manifested, when the reign of Christ is openly manifested in the kingdom of the heavens in the next age. And that's what we've been sharing these last few programs. Uh, and in this next segment, we're going to come back to this, uh, the parable of the ten virgins that kind of uh, helps us understand this 
uh, this point in a clearer way. Uh, we, we covered uh, uh, a little bit about that uh, in the, the last couple of programs, but in this next segment we want to save a good deal more. So we will do that on the other side of this break. This program is produced along with our website, thechristianfaith.org, to help address the need for a healthy word of ministry among God's children today. In the Old Testament, the Lord tells us through the prophet Hosea, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Our prayer is that the Lord, by His mercy, may use the ChristianFaith.org website and the Christian Faith Radio Hour to help the believers in Christ grow in our knowledge both of our Savior and of our faith in Him, so that we may stand more firmly for the Lord and for His purpose in these dark times. Visit us online for articles on the Bible and the Christian life, and to sign up for our e-letter, which deals with various biblical topics. To listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab, or directly on iTunes or Spotify. And if you have questions or comments about what you've heard on this program or on our website, or about the Christian faith in general, send us a note at questions at thechristianfaith.org. May this program and the christianfaith.org website be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord and to all of God's children, for his sake and his glory. Amen. Welcome back to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. And we have a, a brother on the line with us now, uh, Peter, uh, are you there? Can I make sure we have this? Yeah, right? I'm here. Okay. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the text help here to make sure make sure we get this right. Um, yeah, praise the Lord. Good, good to have you with us again, Peter. This is your second time on the program, and uh, yeah, that's right. It's good to be back. Yeah, you know, Peter is of course a dear brother from Naperville, and uh, um, and before I forget, Peter, I want to mention again uh, if somebody came in a little bit later on the program, we're going to be having a Bible study. Uh, at the meeting hall in Chicago of the Church of the Chicagoans on, starting on Monday. Uh, Monday evening is at 7 p.m. Uh, and the address will be at 5518 West Gettysburg in Chicago. We don't have the information up yet on our website, chicagomeeting.org, but uh, we should have that up there later today. Yeah, so I hope, hope you can join us. So I just wanted to uh, be sure to mention that again. Yeah, so Peter, welcome. And, and of course, if uh, you were listening to the to the program and uh, we were talking a good deal about uh, prophecy in general and about uh, the millennium, trying to help Christians understand, get something of a, a, a more solid grasp of what the millennium is all about. Because I just have a feeling so many Christians don't have an adequate. We're looking forward to heaven. We're not, we don't realize God wants to gain his kingdom on the earth. And a lot of that has to do with his millennial reign. On the earth. So I don't know if, if you have any feeling. Uh, yeah, no, I just uh, to second what you just said. The uh, the millennium. I mean, the millennium is just the is the establishment of, of the Lord's kingdom on the earth, right? But it's important, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible is focused on the earth. Yeah. Like the goal is not to get take people off the earth and get rid of it, yeah. which I think is probably my guess is seeped in from. Uh, a variety of pagan philosophies yeah. over the years, uh, but the God's goal has always been uh, related to the earth, not just to the heavens, where it already says is where His throne is. Mm. So the uh, so when God accomplishes His goal, it will be on the earth and not in the heavens. 
And so, yeah, it's good to, it's important to realize that God is going to, is going to gain the earth, that he's not going to, to be frustrated in his goal. And yeah. so that means we also, I mean, we care, uh, uh, we care about, we, we share God's uh, uh, desire, his burden about the earth. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I you just hate to, I, I call it the heaven drug. A lot, so many Christians have been injected with the heaven drug and just are sleeping. And uh, uh, it, it, it seems like it's a small thing where you talk about going to heaven. Well, I understand, but you read Revelation 21 and 22, it's obvious, yes, we're going to be on the earth. But I, I just talk about heaven. It's a manner of speaking. And you realize, no, because if you have, it just, that kind of talk blinds you to the realization of what God wants to do. What he wants to use man to do is to establish his authority over the earth. That was, that was his original commitment to us, right? When he created us, uh, right. uh, and his, he created us in his image of Nikus and he gave him a dominion over the earth. Genesis 1, 26 okay. and 27, right? Let him, let him have dominion right. over the, that's our commitment. And, and that's what he wants to work out through us today even. And it's just frustrating. And so that's something and we need to be mentioning. I think, yeah, sorry. It's worth mentioning that a lot of the, um, a lot of the uh, views of heaven are very passive, right? They're very yes. sort of golden golf courses kind of flit kind of idea. And even if you say, okay, it's not golf courses, but it's very, you sit there and it's enjoyment, right? Whereas discussion of the millennial kingdom is that the overcomers are on thrones ruling with Christ. And, you know, if you think about people who rule countries, it's not a passive job. It's an active one. You have to do yeah. things, right? And yeah. so there is a, there is, um, I, th- I think the idea that we just go there, like it's like retirement, um, is not an, also not in line with the Bible. He calls us to be faithful to, uh, to so that we are able yeah. to rule with Him. Amen. Well, la- last week I, I, I just I want to read a quote again that I read last week on the program. It just reminds me of that, Peter. That um, mm-hmm. this is uh, from D. M. Panton, the Judgment Seat of Christ. Uh, it's on page thirty-five. If you have that book. Uh, he's talking about the parable of the minas in Luke 19, where the the nobleman goes and uh, is going away, and he gives each of his servants a mina, and later on he comes back and he finds out how they did, and if you if you did well, you got to rule over so many cities. If you don't do well, your mina got taken away. And so Panton's quote here is very good. He says, "Officers are required for the administration of a kingdom, so God has deliberately interposed a prolonged period between His two advents." that our Lord might be enabled to so test his servants in his absence as to discover which are fitted for positions of responsibility and trust at his return. And again, that goes along with that statement from, from uh, Pember. He said, right now is our apprenticeship where we should be learning how to rule and reign with Christ. Then we can reign with him over the cities. But according to that parable, if you don't learn the lessons, you're not going to get anything to rule over. Your, your mind gets taken away. The other, the other, Right. Faithful believers get cities. If you have, if you gain five miners, you get five cities. Boy, that's a mina was okay worth. I think it's a hundred denarii, and uh, mm-hmm. a denarius was uh, good wages for one day's pay. So it's, it's a good amount of money, but it's not like a ton of money. So if you to 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 get to rule over a city for a mina, that's pretty good. Pretty good return on that investment. So. <laughs> Yeah. So, so that that really kind of is a nice way to segue into this this parable of the the ten virgins, which also a parable which is also called the wise and foolish virgins. Uh, you know, because we were talking about this, Peter, uh, about what it means to be wise and foolish, and so this parable, of course, is in Matthew twenty five, and it's right. one of the most direct um, uh, indications in the New Testament that 
if we are not faithful to the Lord in this age, we will not reign in, with him and enjoy with him the wedding feast in the coming age. It's, it's hard. In the, it two programs ago, we got into this matter because some people try to say this is not talking about believers, but really you, there's just no way to say that. So, um, And so this is the parable of you have five wise virgins and five foolish ones. And like we were saying, Peter, to pay the price to follow the Lord in this age, to gain that kind of a return of entering into the wedding feast, that's wise. Mm-hmm. That that's that's being a mm-hmm. wise yes. virgin, right? If you're if you don't take advantage of that, that's very very foolish. So, yeah. Right. So yeah. So, right. The the I mean here the the uh, virgins in the parable, right? The wise ones are the ones who have an extra supply, an extra portion of yeah. oil that they have saved up, yeah. and the foolish ones do not. And yeah. uh, I think it's worth mentioning, like you said. The um, they are all waiting for the bridegroom, who is the Lord, of course, mm. and they are all yeah. anxious for His return. Like they're all they're all standing there waiting, expecting His return. Um, but the the five prudent ones had prepared, had brought along extra oil, and the foolish ones did not. So it's not a matter of whether they whether they cared about the Lord, whether they loved the Lord, whether they wanted Him to come back, but it's a question of whether they were prepared. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Well, maybe maybe what we can do is just just go through this parable, just just verse by verse, and because it yeah, shows this point. Even getting ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just no, it just it just shows that, that point, but we had to, to to give it that that context. That uh, um, so it's Matthew twenty five. Uh, in uh, verse 1 states, uh, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So the first thing you see, like you say, they're going out to meet the bridegroom. This is uh, our relationship with the Lord. We should be virgins who are pure. We have a, a pure heart toward the Lord. We, we realize my life is uniquely for the Lord. I'm not going out into the world to make my fortune. That's not my fortune. That You know, a person graduates from college these days, uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, they they go yeah that's what they say I mean, going out into the world to make their fortune, we're not going out mm-hmm. into the world we are going out of the world to meet the bridegroom right. and we should always have this view I'm a person who's looking for the return of Christ he's my bridegroom I'm really waiting for him uh, and, you know so that's that should be our relationship toward the world and our relationship toward Christ praise the Lord Amen Amen Verse, verse 2, five of them are wise and five were foolish. Like we said, to be wise means you're paying a price to follow the Lord. It, 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 to, to invest ourselves in this age, to try to gain... Uh, you know, I'll just say this. I was at a, a birthday party uh, for a one-year-old last <laughs> last week. And uh, it was sweet. It was, it was neat. I was just, just just worked out. And uh, and so they put a candle on the cake. And uh, I was talking to the little girl's grandfather. And I said... In no time at all, there's going to be 60 candles on that cake, and uh, <laughs> it is. Re- I just I really had an impression of that. It goes by so fast. Life goes by. So mm. we shouldn't be looking to, for our, our our reward in this age, right? I, I just had an impression an impression of that last week. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Agreed. The the what makes them what makes them prudent is that they realize that. Yeah. They need to do something in this age yes. to prepare for the Lord's return, right? It yeah. says, verse 3 says, they took 
Uh, sorry, verse 4 says that they took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Yes. Right? The foolish did not take extra oil. So they had they had lamps burning, but the prudent took extra oil in, their, in a vessel, yes. a container of extra oil. Amen. Yeah, that's right. And that's what it means to be prudent. Uh, you take that oil. If, you, if, you, if you're... Uh, and and we've, we've talked about this a little bit before. Oil in the Bible, of course, that's a, that for sure is a, is a type of the Holy Spirit. We've, all through the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, we, all, we all know that. So, um, but then we have to properly interpret the vessel and the lamp here. So, uh, I know, Peter, do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, what, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, the... I, mean, I think uh, you'll have more, but you can. But it's uh, worth noting that the the word it uses here is vessel, yes. um, which is the same word used elsewhere in Romans and Timothy to refer specifically to mm. us. Um, the yeah. Lord created us as vessels. Paul speaks of us repeatedly yes. as being made as vessels, uh, vessels unto honor. It's Romans um, nine, and verse so twenty-one the, and twenty-three. Yeah. Right, would be that's right, and yeah. also in Second Timothy two. Yes, um, and so the. Um, uh, this is the, um, to, the the use of the word vessel here is striking because yes. it is uh, it's uh, it's the same word right it's referring yes. so here I think it's reasonable to say that this vessel is not something external this vessel refers to what is deposited what is uh, gained what is ex- experienced what is kept by us amen. ourselves yeah amen right? so we have what that saying is we have the spirit in our being. In our, in our whole being. You know, we stress here the matter of spirit, soul, and body. This is saying we have that spirit in our soul. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, amen. That, that's, it, it, well, it's, especially that's clear when, okay, you look at uh, the lamp. It says, uh, those who are foolish took, uh, took their lamps and took oil. With, those who are foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Well, mm-hmm. the lamp in the Bible, that's, uh, the reference for that is Proverbs twenty twenty seven. The spirit of man right. is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the innermost parts of his being. So the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. So when we look at this, like you were saying, Peter, the vessel refers to who we are. That's our soul. But our spirit is our lamp. So yes, as mm-hmm. believers in Christ, we have oil in our lamp. That's not the problem. That's not the problem. Mm-hmm. But the question is, do we have the oil in our soul, in our vessel, to keep continually supply that lamp, so our lamp will will, will burn brightly. Praise the Lord. That's mm-hmm. what we need, and that's to be wise is to gain that oil. To be foolish is not to pay the price to gain that oil. Um, you know, I, Mark was on last right. week, Mark Jordan, and uh, he gave a very good example. He said, you know, they used to go camping, and they take a a lamp with with them, an oil lamp, to go camping with. He said, well, if you if you only took the oil that was in the lamp. You could light the lamp, but you were very foolish not to have enough oil to get you through the weekend. You had to have like a big five-gallon container of oil to get through the weekend. And, and that's just exactly the same principle here. Yes, you can light the lamp if you have the oil uh, uh, in the lamp, but you can't keep it burning. And that's the problem that the foolish ones had. Oh, Lord. Right. So, okay. Yeah, amen. So, uh, it says the wise took oil. The wise took oil in vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. So, mm-hmm. they, so that's something. So, so all of these virgins, they hear the cry of uh, the bridegroom's coming. They all hear the midnight cry. Right. Really something. Right. That's the darkest hour, the darkest time of the mm-hmm. night. Praise mm-hmm. the Lord. That's, uh, uh, yeah. you know, we should be looking for that midnight cry. And I was talking yeah. earlier in the program, Peter, we... To have a clear view of prophecy really helps us to, to watch for the Lord. I just can't stress that enough. Mm-hmm. You know, to realize we yeah. are those who are waiting to hear that cry. 
for the Lord to come back again. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yes. And then they all arose and they all prepared, trimmed their lamps, right? So again, this shows that they all have the same, I don't know, the same goal, the same desire. Like they, they're, this is, this is what they're waiting for. This is the Lord's return. Amen. Yeah, that's right. They all, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just, I was just going to talk about, but then the foolish said to the prudent that, uh, that they were, their lamps were going out and they needed some oil. And that's okay. Just briefly, that's another indication. These were real believers. They had the oil to get their lamps lighted. The problem was they couldn't keep them right. burning. Really so. Right. Really so. And, right. and, and that's quite a statement there. Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Wow. Mm-hmm. That, why would why would they think that they could borrow oil from from other uh, other believers? Yeah, it's an interesting idea, right? If the yeah. oil is a symbol of the Spirit, we don't have the idea of borrowing it. Or, I don't know, we were talking some about this yesterday, so maybe we do actually have that idea yes. without realizing it. Yeah. Um, that uh, I don't want to take it from you, Dave. It was your, it was your <laughs> point uh, about this. But like, like you had said, that the, um, the believers, uh, if they said this, it's because they had, been do- they had done that before, yeah. right? Yes. They had the idea that, oh, I can yeah. just buy, borrow the oil. Yeah. And that implies that there's something analogous to borrowing the oil from other believers we right. can do right now, yeah. which to me would be when you go to a church meeting and kind of sit back and enjoy what other people have gotten through their labor on the Lord. Yeah. Um, but don't actually do anything ourselves. We can sort of borrow the oil from yeah. them uh, to to still get enjoyment and inspiration and things, but without uh, any uh, without paying a price on our part. Yeah, really. So that's uh, that's it is unfortunately it's a picture of many believers today. That's why they ask in that age, give us some of your oil, because that's what they've done their whole mm-hmm. life. They haven't paid the price right. to get the oil themselves. So that's what they think they can do. Because of what they did yeah. before, but in that age, it's not going to work anymore. Now, because this is a matter of individual responsibility. Now, I should say mm-hmm. that's why you don't see the bride in this parable. Some had a question about that. Mm. It's because uh, um, our responsibility before the Lord is always on an individual basis, not a corporate basis. Mm. We answer to the Lord. I'm going to answer to the Lord for how I live my Christian life. I have to take responsibility mm-hmm. for that. So this looks at the believers in an individual way. Not, not as the corporate bride. So, and in that day, uh, I, I'm going to have to give an account for how I, uh, how I live my life. Oh Lord, and that's yeah. that's a you know very Amen. serious matter. Uh, but so, so the the wise answered, saying, "No, lest there should not be enough for us and for you. Go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves." So you have to pay a price to gain the oil. The, the oil in yeah. your vessel is not free. The oil in the lamp is free. That just comes with the lamp, right, so to speak. But the oil in the vessel, right, that you have to pay extra for. You have to buy. And in this age, we have to pay a price to gain the oil. So we have about right. a minute left, a little bit more than a minute, Peter. So we, mm-hmm. uh, maybe we should skip down. Unless, sorry, go ahead, unless you had something to add. So. Yeah, no, I mean, that's. Uh, I, I would just want to say I think that's actually the, the key point is that we have to pay a price yeah. and we have to do it now because when the Lord returns, it will be too late. That's what yes. happens uh, yeah. Right, they go away to get it, and then the, the bridegroom comes, and the door is shut. That's right. So the um, point of it is that to be prepared for the Lord, we need to be gaining Him now. Um, and I was thinking, you know, we sometimes uh, we can we know the Lord is real as Christians. Sometimes we just kind of 
turn to him whenever we have uh, whatever we have something wrong something goes wrong we have lord please help us then he helps us we're like okay great good everything's fine again i feel like a sort of a you just have just enough oil to keep the lamp going but if we pay the price to i'll go to the lord when we don't when it's not i don't know a desperate need but daily we're really before the lord we're seeking him we are uh, praying to him we're reading the bible preaching the gospel many uh, right things to that are uh uh, working to to gain more of the spirit that's what gives us the supply to prepare Amen. for the lord's coming that's the kind of life we should be living really so peter a, a life of really yeah. seeking lord and allowing him to impart himself and his life into our being so we're, that's what it means to be watchful uh i mean at the, at the end of the parable that's that's the lesson we should draw the lord says uh he uh he said watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour to which the son of man is coming so that's the lesson we should draw. But what happens to the to these uh, foolish ones is, uh, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. So that's the point. It, does, it doesn't say they go to the lake of fire, but they miss out on the wedding feast, which is just a, nobody wants to miss a wedding feast, right? It's always such an enjoyable time. But there's a possibility right. as believers we can, and that's what this parable is warning us about. And Peter, we're just, just right. about out of time, but that, that's the lesson. So mm-hmm. we need to be watchful for the Lord's return. So do you have a, just a final quick word before? Yeah, just to say that we need to be watchful, and watchful doesn't mean just to know that he is coming, but to prepare for it, even when on days when Amen. nothing is happening, we pay Amen. a price to gain more of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Peter, for that word. Amen. And that'll do it for this yeah. hour. May the Lord bless, uh, bless us this coming week and keep us in his way. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. You can visit us online at our website, thechristianfaith.org. And if you have comments or questions, send us an email at questions at thechristianfaith.org. And to listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify.